It's all about Southampton. The So So Show with Zoe Hansen and Simon Clark. Hello and welcome to another episode of Southampton's podcast, The So So Show. Entertainment, news and interviews with a unique Southampton flavour. And it's hosted by her, Zoe Hansen. And that one, Simon Clark. So this week we're going to find out how you can take part in something very special as part of Mayflower 400. And we've just launched a programme called Giving Thanks. Right. And that's a big join-in moment for the people of Southampton. Plus some exciting news about Elton John coming to the New Forest and the return of the Elf on the Shelf. The thing everyone's been talking about this week... The vaccine. I mean, it's just the most positive, wonderful news, isn't it? Where were you when you heard? Um, in the kitchen, serving cocoa pops to my seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I've never got emotional when I'm serving cocoa pops for breakfast, <laughs> but I did when I when I heard that they've had the okay, and you know, they're going to start handing this out within a week. I just, I, I really choked up, and I think it's probably because. You know, I've tried to have like this real positive outlook on everything that's going on, but that's real light at the end of the tunnel, and that, and it, and it's just amazing, and it's also to uh, quite a bit of pride as well that you know we were the first country in the world to put a vaccine out there. And that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, this year's been full of those where were you when moments, whether it was Boris Johnson addressing the nation back in March, telling us we were all going in lockdown, to the announcement that the vaccine is going to be available soon. I'd like to be able to say that I was doing something slightly better than what I was doing when I heard the news, because I'm actually quite embarrassed to say that when I heard the news, I was watching Piers Morgan. Oh, what were you doing that for? I know, I wasn't really watching. It was on in the background. No. Um, One of the teenagers had (laughs) left it on. They don't watch that, do they? Oh, my gosh. No, I think it's because the telly had been left on ITV from I'm a Celebrity the night before. Right, right. So, yeah, you can justify it all you like. (laughs) We know you love Piers and Susanna. (laughs) The only thing about that show I love is watching her trying really hard to justify why she's there when he's going off on one of his rants (laughs) because he's normally going off on a rant in such a yeah. all about me way that she's got absolutely nothing to chip in and she just sits there and smiles and occasionally chucks an aside in. And I mean, I sort of feel sorry for her, really, because he just goes at people, doesn't he? And yeah. If he interviewed people, he would listen to the answer, but he just doesn't. It's a bit like someone who's walking a dog and the dog is barking at everything and anything and you reach that point where you just go, I'm just going to pretend this isn't happening Yeah. and I'm just going <laughs> to smile at the people holding the other dogs and pretend mine isn't a about to go for theirs but you know what is slightly worrying is i think that's probably what the americans thought of trump well one of them possibly learned that style from the other because they're mates aren't they trump and piers morgan yeah so you do listen to it you do listen to it (laughs) (laughs) you've been caught out (laughs) it was on that channel from the night before honestly Um, some really sad news 
um, this week about Arcadia and that they're going into administration. So Topshop, Dorothy Perkins, Burton's, you know, all of these amazing shops that we've we've all gone to. And, you know, I used to spend my Saturdays in Topshop, mm. um, especially the one on Oxford Street was, you know, I know it's their flagship store, but you can get your nails done in there. You can go in the cafe. I mean, I could spend hours in there. That used to be a day out, just going to Topshop. And really, really sad to hear that they are in administration. But I found out something this week really interesting. The first Burton's was in Eastleigh. Really? Yes. That's where it all came from. I had no idea. Yeah, it was a tailor's and it was um, menswear um, and it was first set up in Eastleigh, their first shop. Wow. Yeah. Who knew there was a local connection to that? I know. Look, if, you, if you're like me, you dig deep enough, you'll find something. <laughs> I can tell you an interesting fact about Burton's because probably about yes. 22 years ago, I had a brief career in music programming for retail and leisure. I worked for a company in Birmingham who used to do all the in-store music for loads of pubs, Pizza Hut, and we also did the music for the Arcadia Group. So I used to have to put the music programming together for Top Shop, for Dorothy Perkins, right. and for Burton's. And interesting, with the music for Burton's, it had to have a 70% female skew because, although it was a men's clothing store, women were the ones who made the purchasing decisions. Right, of course. This is the way it always is. Exactly. They're dragging the man along and saying, you need a new shirt. Yeah. You're having that one. Yeah. So you had to make sure the music was 70% towards women because they were the ones who were really doing all the buying. Do you know how I... um, It's quite a bizarre story that I I know that, that females are the ones that will make the decisions. It's because I used to do timeshare out in... uh, Where was I? Gran Canaria. So I used to do timeshare out there. I went out there because I wanted to spend the millennium on a beach. So I went out there for a few months um, and I was that person that that met you as you walked out of your hotel on your way to the beach and you used to give scratch cards to everyone so if there was a family of four I'd give a losing scratch card to everyone apart from the mum <laughs> and the mum would scratch it off and I'd go oh my gosh you've got a winner oh my goodness Steve Steve we've got a winner <laughs> And the reason that you gave it to the woman was because it was her that decided, right, okay, we're going to go to this and we're going to go and pick up our prize. And And I came home because I couldn't cope with my conscience. You know, some of these people had just got on holiday. It was their first morning on holiday. And I was sending them in a taxi to go and look round a (laughs) timeshare. Well, I'm glad you came to your senses and didn't stay with that for too long. So it was a shame that on the day that shops were reopening across the city, we heard that, uh, you know, Top Shop on Above Bar, Dorothy Perkins and um, Burton's weren't going to be going forward. And of course, there was the news about Debenhams as well. I know. And I'm so sad for it. That one in Southampton has been shut since March, hasn't it? Mm. And it just looks, it looks so miserable. And I, I, I love Debenhams. I've always loved Debenhams. And I, I know that people slate it, but I've always loved Debenhams. Just going in there, you can shop round every concession. Um, and they've always got good cake in the, in the cafe. I had a job interview in that cafe at Debenhams. Did you? <laughs> 
Yeah. For Debenhams? No, it was for another radio station that uh, against the one I was working for at the time. And um, I had several meetings with a chap and that would be the place that we would meet. Because <laughs> of good cake. That's my uh, overriding memory of Debenhams opposite Hoglands Park. <laughs> And the shops reopened, but it was so different this time to after the first lockdown. Do you remember we had those huge queues outside Primark as the first yeah. lockdown ended? It, it wasn't anything like that this week, was yeah. it? Well, I went down there and saw it, didn't I? So when they reopened in June time, I went down there and the queue was gigantic to get into Primark. Um, And this time I went down there on Wednesday morning just to sort of see what... I I presumed that it was going to be crazy in town because of people wanting to do their Christmas shopping. And I got down there and I was so amazed at how few people there were at the shops. So... You know, we've got to get down there. We've got to support these places. But I literally walked straight into Primark. I didn't have to queue to get into West Quay. Um, The only queues that I saw were for the Apple Store um, and for the Nespresso coffee place. Ah, now you see, they were doing a lot of deals over Black Friday online. Every time I went on my social media, there was an ad for Nespresso. Right. To the point where I actually thought, well, maybe I should get one of those because I drink a lot of coffee. Right. Uh, but but they never got round to it. You've got to do it, apparently. I'm not a coffee drinker, but apparently they're amazing and they've got all these Christmas flavours. I guess you'd save a fortune if you had a regular Starbucks habit or something like that. <laughs> yeah, habit. But that's what it is, isn't it? You know, coffee culture has managed to permeate our lives in the same way smoking did many years ago. You know, right. coffee is a habit. You go into town, you always allow a little bit of time as part of your shopping routine to have a coffee and a bit of cake. Yeah. Of course, it's not just the shops that are reopening as well. The cinemas are reopening this week as well. And you might be interested to know that Showcase are putting on a free screening of one of the 80s classic films. On Friday evening, you can go and watch Back to the Future for free as they welcome back film fans to the Showcase Cinema in Southampton. Are you um, a big fan of Back to the Future? I'm sort of imagining that you are. I don't mind it. It's been a while since I've seen it. Oh. And it was very much of its time. And I think there's probably a whole generation of kids that would enjoy it. But there's also a whole generation of kids who would look at it and go hang on a minute, he's a teenager and he hasn't spent the entire film on his phone. That's not very realistic. (laughs) It's like when I watch any film that's shot at the end of the 90s where there were loads of computers involved, like Enemy of the State, the Will Smith film, and all the computers they've got have those huge monitors that go on for about two foot behind the screen. Yeah, yeah. Matrix is another one. Whenever I watch that, I think, yeah, yeah, Neo's got a flip phone, but look at the size of the monitor on that computer he's using. <laughs> I had a flip phone once, and I used to love just ending a call by just closing it. Yeah, I felt well-chic. <laughs> so this year has been memorable for Southampton for more than just coronavirus because we've been marking 400 years of the Mayflower. Not the theatre, but the ship which sailed from the city and took the first settlers to the United States. There's been a whole year's worth of events based around Mayflower 400. And the project this week launched an initiative called Giving Thanks, which this year, more than ever, is something the people of the city might like to be involved in. Now, before we tell you more about that, let's have a quick history lesson 
from the Mayflower 400 director, Caterina Lurigio. Well, this year is the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower ship. It left Southampton in August 1620. And um, there were two ships that actually left. There was the Speedwell and the Mayflower. And the Speedwell was carrying Puritan separatists and they he, they'd brought them over from Holland. And the Mayflower was carrying economic migrants. And the two ships set sail from Southampton. But unfortunately, the Speedwell was taking in water. So they stopped at Dartmouth and then they had to stop at Plymouth. And eventually only the Mayflower went on with um, 102 passengers. Okay. And around 40 of those were these Puritan separatists who lots of people know as the Pilgrim Fathers, the first settlers in America. So off they sailed across the Atlantic. They were supposed to go to Virginia, but actually they ended up in Plymouth, which hadn't yet been colonised. And they were the first successful settlers in New England, really. And the reason they were successful is because they uh, undertook a pact with the local Native Americans, the Wampanoag people. And the Wampanoag people had been decimated by a great plague right. in the run-up to this, so 1616 to 1690. So a pact was drawn up and the Wampanoag helped them settle. They settled in what was the village of Patuxet, which had been completely decimated by the plague. And one particular Native American, a man called Tisquantum, or Squanto, stayed with them and helped them learn how to hunt and fish and farm and he has a very particular story Squanto because he'd actually been kidnapped in um, 1614 and sold as a slave in Malaga and he'd ended up in London so he could speak English so he'd lived in London for three years so they happened to land in this one bit of uh, of America where there was an English-speaking Native American wow which is kind of his the his the secret to this story of why why they were the first okay. successful settlement really and it's because they had this relationship with Squanto and the Wampanoag people who supported them and uh, one year later they had the first successful harvest and that was the first Thanksgiving so. oh it's quite quite of the time at the now isn't it it's of the moment yeah exactly so it's four hundred years since that amazing story happened so what's going on with mayflower 400 in southampton now well we've had uh, a year's worth of uh, events some of which have been online some of which have been live we launched in march mm-hmm. uh, with the music hub who had over a thousand young local people taking part in music events at the mayflower theater and then of course we had to um, stop for a bit with the lockdown and then we re-emerged in August on the anniversary weekend and we've had exhibitions at Sea City Museum and there's an exhibition currently at the City Art Gallery when that reopens yeah. called Shadows and Light which is really reflecting on you know where there's light, where there's darkness, you know the religious significance of that in terms of the Mayflower story. Um, we've got a piece coming to Westkey in December called Belonging, which is led by Art Asia. And that really takes the, the themes of what it means to belong, what it means to journey. Why do people travel? Why do people leave home? How do you make a new home? So right. it, that's really kind of very much part of what we've been doing this year is looking at stories of migrations and journeys, but also trying to uncover some of the hidden histories of Southampton. There's there's lots of stories, lots of people have come yeah. to and through Southampton over the years and those stories aren't particularly told. Yeah. So we're making films about some of the migration stories in Southampton. 
some of the other people that have come through, like the D-Day American soldiers. We're making little films about that. Right. We've got Education Resource, which is available on our website. There's loads on our website. People can do actually lots of poetry workshops and craft workshops and there's lots to get involved in. And we've just launched, um, we launched it on Thanksgiving Day last week, a programme called Giving Thanks. Right. And that's a big join-in moment for the people of Southampton to to just look at what they're grateful for. I mean, obviously, we're all having difficult days at the moment. Yeah. And they're getting more and more difficult as, you know, as the nights get darker and the weather gets colder. But still, we like to think that on a day-by-day basis, there are small things which make a big difference to us. Absolutely. You know what? And it's mostly people. Yeah. You know, you can go and see a place, you know, and Southampton has the most amazing sunsets. Even if I'm putting the bin out, I'm going, <laughs> wow. But it is. Right? Those things do make a difference. You know, and actually this year we've had the opportunity to notice those things more. We've Yes. You know, so it's really about just that, you know, and about the neighbour that, help bring your milk in when you're too ill or you know the the delivery drivers or the nhs workers or you know whoever's helped get you through this year but maybe who's helped get you through many years you know so we're really looking to uncover what southampton is grateful for and what's made a difference and we are so grateful you know look that's why we set up this podcast in the first place was because we wanted to shout about all the brilliant things that go on in Southampton it's such a positive place and I find that it's a real doing place you know you 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 don't have so many people just sort of talking about doing something they just get on and do it it's amazing that's true but it doesn't shout about it very much I mean that's you're right you're right that's my kind of impression of Southampton is there's so much happening and so much modesty we did a project in September called a mile in my shoes and that's actually available as podcasts on our website yeah and it it's um, literally people put on someone else's shoes and listen to their story and walk a mile. We talked about it on the podcast. Oh, fantastic. We talked about it on the So So Show. Yeah. yeah. Well, one yeah. of those guys was Professor Tom Wilkinson, who's, you know, he's leading the drug trials, which have made a huge difference in this COVID story. But right. such a modest man, you know, he was, I thought, we'll never get him, you know, he's going to be so busy. But he was like, oh, no, it's a privilege to do it. <laughs> Oh, great. You know, so there's some amazing stories coming out of Southampton, but no one really shouts about them. So this is a moment right. to, you know, the giving thanks is, yeah, here's your chance to shout up your neighbour or your colleague or your family. Or So we can do that. We can do that by going onto the website. You can. It's really simple, actually. We just want... We want your social media, basically. And then we've got a hashtag, which is hashtag MindGivingThanks. But if you go to the Southampton Mayflower 400 website, which is mayflower400southampton.co.uk, go to the Get Involved pages and you'll find all the Giving Thanks information. There's a couple of activity packs there. One is for families, communities and schools. So there's some lots of ideas of things you can do at home. Some of them are, are festive. And, you know, it's like a giving thanks jar or or making films or making thank you baubles. But there's also a pack there for organisations and businesses for some giving thanks work Zooms or alternatives to Secret Santa. So we've got ideas there, too, of how you can get involved. But essentially, we want you to capture through a poem, through a drawing, through a film, through a photograph, what you're grateful for. Send it using hashtag my giving thanks and then in March next year. So this programme runs all the way through to Valentine's. And in March next year, we'll be gathering all these uh, posts into a new digital artwork, uh, an animation which captures what the people of Southampton are grateful for. And also, you know, this is a national programme. So here's an opportunity to 
to show all those other cities. Yeah. Let's put Southampton on the map. Come on. Exactly. Caterina Lurigio, the director of Mayflower 400. You can find out more, not just about the Giving Thanks, but their whole year of projects if you look for their website. And uh, the Walk a Mile in My Shoes thing is really interesting. There are some great people who've been interviewed as part of that project. Yeah, brilliant. And you were involved in it as well, weren't you? Yeah, I recorded some of the interviews, which is probably why I'm biased. <laughs> but um, even though the unit down by the castle walls where you could take the MP3 players out isn't there anymore, the podcasts that were made from that audio are all available online. Brilliant. And as uh, Katerina was saying, one of the people that we interviewed was heavily involved in the vaccine, which this week was approved. Um, So I had a lovely day on Sunday. Um, I went down to Southampton Common, uh, took my little and down to the park. And do you know what was beautiful about it? So it was the last weekend where you weren't allowed to meet up with anybody outside. You, You just stayed in your sort of household bubble. Yeah. And I got quite emotional about it. It was just families it was just families out for walks and you know it was a beautiful sunny day and then all of a sudden you'd see a family go past on their bikes and it was just stunning it was sort of how I wish Sundays were all the time nobody could go to the shops so everybody went to the park and it was just beautiful so lovely to see when we had the first lockdown i think i remember saying that it was a bit like a giant center parks right when the weather was good <laughs> and everyone was out as a family it was lovely really lovely and then um i've got to tell you that scoops in portswood that is open. We got takeaway. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> That's one of the things you missed during the second lockdown then. Oh, yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? We've got some big news this this week, um, and that is that Elton John will be appearing and performing at Tewton Glen. You know, the hotel and spa. Oh, that's where Buble's playing in July. Yes. Elton John is appearing and performing down at Tewton Glen. And it's all part of Chris Evans from Virgin Radio. He's putting on some sort of charity thing. And they've got James Martin, the chef. They've got Tom Kerridge, the chef as well. And they're going to have this big celebration night for charity. And Elton John is going to be performing. That's amazing, right? I see. Now, I thought you were saying that it was going to be a big concert. But this is, sounds like it's going to be more of a small, intimate thing. Yes, and the tickets, I'm sure, will cost you a pretty penny. <laughs> but great for Elton John to be visiting the New Forest. Yeah, amazing. You might see him out on a bike ride. Quite possibly. You never know. A friend of mine's been reading his autobiography. Actually, I'll tell you, she's not reading the autobiography. She's listening to it when she goes out for a run. Yeah. And she says she can't stop laughing. Oh, really? She'll be out there. She'll be on, like mile number five and all of a sudden bursting into laughter while she's trying to run because it's just the way Taryn Egerton reads it just brings it to life. Amazing. Oh, I might give that a shot. So now um, now we're into December. Have you been visited by the elf yet? Oh, the elf on the shelf. I mean, the excitement is at fever pitch at the moment. You know, when you get to November the 30th, oh my gosh, I'm not getting that kid to sleep for about three hours. <laughs> Just in case the elf on the shelf comes back. And he didn't disappoint. He came back. Uh, the first morning he had written, I'm back in marshmallows on the living room floor. Um, uh, he is currently in my living room on a sleigh 
and he's being pulled along by a Father Christmas and a Christmas dog, of course. Doesn't sound like he's been up to too much mischief yet, though. Not yet. It's only been a few days. But I think the the one that stands out in my mind as the one that my little just adored was um, when he covered the Christmas tree with her knickers. Oh, lovely. <laughs> he must have been up there, got half of her pairs of knickers out of the drawer and then just decorated the tree with them. That's proper mischief, that is. <laughs> Did you get any photos of the knickers on the tree? Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, I take pictures of the elf all the time. Brilliant. He's so naughty. <laughs> well, share some, please, on our social media. And and if you've got pictures of the elf being naughty in your household, we'd love to see those as well. Find us on our social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we're on Facebook. Just search for The So So Show. I feel cleansed this week, Simon. <laughs> oh, really? I feel cleansed because I have gone through my house with a fine-tooth comb. I have taken a whole car full of stuff to the tip and I am selling everything else that I could sell. Um, I've put about 50 things on Marketplace, and I never realised how many... Mm, well, how can I put it? How many planks there are out there <laughs> that will read these adverts and then ask the silliest questions ever? I was selling a soft toy, and I was asked, how tall is it? Can you measure it? You know, I'm selling it for like three quid. Give over. You almost wonder whether they're just trying to spark up a bit of dialogue with you just to, uh, you know, right. start being flirtatious. Granted, it's not a great opening gambit, is it? <laughs> How big's your cuddly toy? There was somebody else I was selling a handbag and they said, can I see it with stuff in it? To me, it makes perfect sense that you take a picture of it full and a picture of it not full. Who can be bothered? I don't know. Someone who wants to sell it, I guess. <laughs> Rather than someone who's being a bit lacklustre in her attempts at getting rid of her old tat. <laughs> so this was the ultimate. I was selling a pair of knee-high boots and somebody got in touch and said, would I be able to wear long socks oh. and skinny jeans under them as well? I'm like, I don't know. How big are your legs? I don't know. But that to me says it's a boot fetish person <laughs> and they just want pictures of your feet in the boots. <laughs> I never thought of that. That was the first thought that came into my head. You have a very cynical view of these people. They'll be asking for a video of you parading up and down your living room <laughs> in the boots, but they only want it from the knee below. Right. The other thing, I'm I'm selling this like little tiny tablet, right? It's a little, little Amazon Fire tablet, right? That my little one just doesn't play with anymore. She doesn't use it. Yeah. I had loads of people get in touch about it. And this woman said, million percent. I'm coming around tomorrow. I'm going to get it. Da, 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 da. And didn't turn up. Oh. It's so infuriating. What do you do then? Do you get in touch with them and say, are you coming or what? Right. You hate it when that happens. You hate it when you, you you get your hopes up that that piece of tap might be going. Right. And then it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm so amazed that people are so flaky about this stuff. I've got something that I'm desperate to get rid of at the moment. Do you remember the auction a couple of weeks ago, the BBC Cardiff one where I bought my new microphone? Well, <laughs> Are we still talking about that? <laughs> You're obsessed. We're talking about how stupid I am because I bid on a flight case. So they're one of those big boxes that they take to gigs and stuff, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see them backstage at a gig and, and it's stuff you put equipment in that you want to protect and, yeah. and they get rolled around all over the place. Now, I bid on this flight case yeah. stupidly without looking at the measurements <laughs> because I looked at the picture and I thought, well, that's probably about, you know, small suitcase size. So that's fine. There wasn't a 50p for scale there. <laughs> if there was, there is no way I would have bid on it because this thing is massive. Is it really? Go on. It's huge. Consequently, I don't want it because I've got nowhere to put it. It's, you know, it's not just going to put a few cables in. It's massive. How big is it then? It's probably about four foot by three foot by two foot deep. So not only did you bid on it and win it, then you had to drive to Cardiff to get it. (laughs) And now you don't want it. So I'm stuck with it now and I don't want it. So I boshed it on eBay and I've also stuck it on Marketplace as well. But what I've done, because there's been no interest in this flight case on Marketplace, is I've relisted it, but as a retro coffee table. (laughs) Because you can open it, you can stick your throws and your rugs and any other pieces of furniture and stuff that you want to hide. In fact, you'd probably get an entire sofa in it, to be fair. (laughs) You should sell it as a room. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my mission at the moment. It looks like for someone who is a, you know, a musician or that kind of person, you could just have that in your living room with a small throw over the top of it as a retro piece of furniture. (laughs) No one's biting yet. But I live in hope. I'll come up with some more ideas for you. You could say. Please, I'd love them because I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it. It's massive. <laughs> I walked into reception to pick it up and went, ah. <laughs> don't you love it when those things happen? I love it when people go onto eBay and they and they buy a sofa and it turns up and it's for a doll's house. <laughs> That's because they didn't have a 50p for scale next to it. Yeah. And then when I got it home, I couldn't get it through the door. It was so wide. (laughs) I had to have the window taken out. (laughs) I had to take everything that was in it out, tilt it to get it through the door, then put everything that was in it back in it. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's it for another podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed us chuntering on. And don't forget, if you have, to click the subscribe button and then you will never miss a chunter. Isn't that being sick? There's a difference. (laughs) But anyway, click subscribe wherever you get your podcast and we'll chat to you next week. We will chunter. We will. Have a good week, Zoe. And you, Simon. You've been listening to Zoe Hanson and Simon Clark on Southampton's podcast, The So So Show. Listener.